0: Hey, Amanda. Remember that time Mark Antony's wife was the real political powerhouse of ancient Rome? Hello, and welcome to Remember That Time, an historical podcast. I'm your host, Amanda Webb. And I'm your host Anna Webb, and this is a podcast where two sisters totally geek out about all their favorite moments in history. And I thought just now that that one was going to be the one that I messed up. Same. <laughs> As oh I was saying it, same. I was like, "Uh-oh, I'm not sure did these I say words that are gonna wrong."
1: Come out Actively, of my I was wrong. thinking it while I did the exact same thing. I don't
0: know what's happening. Oh no, man, it, that was weird. <laughs> my brain did something weird. <laughs> same. Well. Here we are. You. This is apparently what you've you're getting today. The energy. Oh, friends, I am <laughs> real tired. Me too. I'm very sleepy today. I um. My allergies are giving me a lot of problems oh,
1: today. Same. This freaking In a big weather. Way. Like up I and can't. Up and Up and down. I'm ill.
0: I'm having a hard time keeping my eyes open, honestly. And same. But, despite the fact that it is now evening as we are recording this, I almost made a cup of coffee. <gasps> same um, but I decided I would regret it <laughs>
1: yeah <laughs> so. I was driving home and I went oh I might need to go get some coffee and then I yeah. didn't but I considered it
0: yeah I did too um would you like to know what I'm drinking instead just yeah a drink update time let's just yeah that was a pretty good transition uh-huh. um I'm having some tangerine juice oh that sounds delish it's one of my favorite juices from
1: you got it folks Trader Joe's not a not a sponsor, but we wish they were. Oh
0: my god, if only. Yeah. We'd be good. I'm having water.
1: Classic. Plain and simple. Nothing fun to say. I'm too sleepy for it. I feel you. Well then let's just get going. Yeah, let's do it. I um, still have my my time clock where that we use to sync up our time pulled up and not the notes. That's where I'm at. <laughs> Didn't close it after we used it. Just sat here and stared at it.
0: <laughs> Watching the seconds tick by. <laughs> I'm doing great. I love that. Um, okay, so we're going ancient again today. Ooh. It's been a really long time. I was kind of scrolling through our episodes, like kind of trying to remind myself what we have done and um I, saw our old Cleopatra episode and I was like, oh my God, it's been so long. We haven't talked about anyone from like ancient history. You love an ancient civilization. I do. It's just kind of hard to put it all together. In the format that we use, right? To like mm-hmm. go through chronologically and tell a story. Cause it's just a lot of war. <laughs> and yeah. I don't want to spend a bunch of time talking about intense military campaigns. Cause that's mm-hmm. like not the podcast. Oh, yeah. Um, so oh, it's yeah, hard. So. hard.
1: Today, I this is an aside before we get going going. Today I was looking at, I'm going to be a, right now I'm an elementary school teacher and next year I'm going to be a middle school social studies teacher. Woo-hoo. Shocking. Um, and I was looking through my standards today and I do like World War One and World War Two and Love up. That. And I was thinking to myself, oh, this is going to become a real problem for everyone on the podcast because <laughs> I'm going to find some stuff to talk about as I start
0: teaching it. <laughs> She's like, this week my class is learning about yeah, this.
1: very so much we're that do it too. very much that. I don't have to do any research. I already did it for my clone, my level. right.
0: <laughs> well, okay. So today we're talking about Fulvia, which, as I mentioned at the top, this she becomes wife to Mark Antony. But I want to talk about her. um and, her other marriages, because she did okay. have other marriages before um, Mark Antony. Yes, before Mark Antony, and she is a really fascinating character. She was really the political mastermind, I think. Excellent. And you're, I think Love we'll that. all come to see that. Love that. So here we go. Oh, also, by the way, I'm not great with Greek pronunciation, so I just am going to apologize in advance. So I'm going to do yep. my best. We're no going to do what we can. Okay, Fulvia is born in either Rome or Tusculum. It We don't know. Um, and her date of birth is also unknown, so add <laughs> her to the list. So it's just a big question mark from start to finish. Correct. She is the only child of Marcus Fulvius Bambalio and Sempronia. Um, I can't remember the last time we had
1: an only child.
0: Yeah, it has been a while. Um Yeah. So that's all actually really interesting. So first of all, her father's family is a really um, well-respected sort of wealthy family in Rome. They are plebeian, which means they're not like nobility as we would see it. Right. They're, that's common folk, basically, but they're really well respected. I think at one point the family, like, lost a bunch of its fortune, but then gained it back. I don't know. I didn't look too deeply into the whole history of the family. Um, but a lot of members of her father's family were um, part of council and they were senators. So, you know, at the end of the day, they were pretty powerful um, because she's an only child. She basically is the last of both of these very powerful families um of course she does have she does have children but by then it's like um they're kind of in their own political dynasties her children that are kind of separate from this but so she's you know the last of these two families basically um before she starts to gain her own political power. But that basically means that she's essentially an heiress. She's worth a lot sure. of money. Sure. So she will make a good wife for pretty much anybody. Um, I want to read this quote that I got from encyclopedia.com, which, by the way, has a pretty good article about her that I would recommend. It's a lot of interesting information. But this is going to provide some context to, like, where we are historically in her lifetime okay so um she lived during the late roman republic which this quote says is a chaotic era lasting from 130 bce to 31 bce that was characterized by turmoil and strife during fulvia's youth rome experienced the terror of a cruel dictatorship under sulla as well as the tumult of uh oh. The Catalinarian conspiracy, which left the fate of the people subject to politicians divided along the lines of two opposing factions. The populaires who looked out for the good of the people, and the optimates who were out for the good of the leaders. Okay. So I just think this is a good quote to set where we are historically like contextualize right. where she's at. This is what she grows up in. Right. Um I don't have really anything about her childhood. Um, You know, it's ancient. I mean, we don't even
1: know when or where she was born. So probably not so much to say.
0: She really starts popping up in records around the time of the death of her first husband. Okay. So we're going to talk about her first marriage now. So around 62 BC, Fulvia marries the politician Publius... Claudius Pulcher. We're going to call him Claudius moving okay. forward. Um they do have two children together, one named after, you know, the father and a daughter named Claudia. Now Claudia is important because eventually she is going to marry Octavian who will become the future mm. emperor Augustus. Right, yeah. So it's just important to keep in mind we're going to loop back to her later. Later. Um So their marriage isn't super typical. Fulvia is not what you would consider a normal. She doesn't like the normal gender roles that were assigned to women at the time. Right. She doesn't. So she doesn't stay home. She goes with her husband when he's out on his political campaigns or doing work. She's with him all the time. Um. This quote, also from Encyclopedia, says in the 10 years of their marriage, she organized a collegia, which is basically a group of supporters on um, on her husband's behalf. Um, but basically... Oh, sorry. I also found this little fact interesting. Um, Valerius Maximus wrote that the dagger Clodius wore was a sign of his subjection to a woman's imperium or absolute control. Oh my gosh. So he knew she was in charge. Yeah. <laughs> Basically. Yeah.
1: It's um, that, it's that, um, the bim-bam bet. Bam. I love my big tall wife. Like, yeah, that. exactly. Exactly.
0: So in 52 BC... Fulvia's husband, Claudius, runs for the political office of Praetor, which is essentially like an army commander and a magistrate. Mm-hmm. Um he was a pretty ruthless politician. Um, he did come from the upper class, but he was on that side that we talked about earlier that was for the common people. Okay. So he wasn't um he, he was likable by the public, right? Because he was fighting for them. So he's running for political office, and he's up against his rival, Titus Aeneas Milo. I love um, how someone
1: has a rival.
0: Yeah. Oh, there are many a rivals real, in this story. Rival. I
1: know. The Greeks love a rival. Oh,
0: yeah. Um. So it's not good. It gets ugly. The competition mm. between them for this political office escalates to violence because Milo has... Gangs of people on his side. This was a thing in ancient Greece, right? The political leaders at this point, at this point, the public really likes to put its allegiances with its generals, Uh right? It's its military leaders. So because they've just come out of a dictatorship, so it's very complicated. So a lot of politicians have these just like groups of followers amongst the public, and generally they will commit acts of violence for their leaders if they're asked to. So Milo's gang ends up killing Claudius. Mm. Now, Fulvia sees this as an opportunity, because she's not one to waste an opportunity. Work. So what does she do? Her husband has been killed, so she... And um, I think also her mother was in on this. They have his body carried through the streets of Rome and placed in the atrium of their house. And she puts on a big show. Oh, she displays all of his wounds. She's weeping with grief. Wow. And she's using it to basically whip all of these people into a frenzy to support her husband and his politics versus Milo, right? Uh Uh-huh. And she does a pretty good job. (laughs) Um, Milo is eventually put on trial for murder and she testifies at the trial. Um, And this is a pretty important point because during the trial... Milo's lawyer is a very famous orator and lawyer, Cicero. So she she gets his attention, right? Mm Because she's giving testimony against his client. And basically for the rest of his life, he spends all of his time trying to discredit this woman, Cicero. Cool. So she makes a very big enemy at this point in her life. Okay. Um. He really wants to make Fulvia look bad. Uh, Yeah, so we're definitely going to come back to him here in just a, a little bit. Mm-hmm. So, like I mentioned before, a lot of politicians had, you know, like gangs of people that would kind of be very loyal to them. Um, And after Claudius's death, Fulvia essentially takes control of these groups and gained gains their loyalty. So now she's got a lot of people who support her. Um. So, okay. So her husband has passed away. And the typical mourning period around this time is about 10 months. That time span, right? That's almost. Wild. It's
1: like, of course, you're still mourning after 10 p- months. But it's wild to be publicly mourning for that long, just walking around being like, hello,
0: I am I don't mourning. know. I don't know. I'm I think wearing... ten months is not that long. In just ancient see, Greece, it almost it a year seem... just seems long. Yeah, I get. I I think in a lot of you know historical periods, a year was more. Common.
1: I know. Oh no, I'm not saying that that it's uncommon historically. I just find it to be
0: an odd concept to think about now. Well. Yeah, definitely. But also the concept wasn't just about like publicly mourning. It was like you couldn't do certain things. right? right. Like She can't get married again until her mourning period is over. Right. But as so- almost as soon as it is, she sure does get married again. Sure. So she marries another politician. She's Gaius- got it. She knows what's up. <laughs> yeah. Gaius Scribonius Curio. We're going to call him Curio. So many good names. I love Greek names. (laughs) I know. He's pretty new to the scene. He's just starting his political career. And by marrying Fulvia, he instantly becomes much more promising and electable. Of course, yeah. He was actually part of the more aristocratic uh, faction. But he switches.
1: When he marries her.
0: Exactly.
1: Because her party is more popular, you know, with with her help. Yes, absolutely. So it would be easier for him to be elected with yeah. her help.
0: And her whole goal, basically, is to keep um, pushing forward the policies that her first husband wanted. So anything along the lines of what Claudius would have done, that's what she's going to do. She for had the, the same political of- leanings as he did. Yeah, and they start calling it, like, uh, I don't, they start, like, referring to this sort of line of politics, I guess you could say, like, using his name. I don't remember exactly how they put it, but it becomes synonymous with him. If he had
1: sponsored a group of bills, they (laughs) would all be surrounding him, like, a similar kind of concept of that.
0: Yeah. So it becomes synonymous with him. So she Got wants it. to advance that. And and sure. it makes a name for her too. And yeah. for her children who are now mm-hmm. in line with this like political uh family that she's creating. Right. So in 50 BC, the year after uh he marries Fulvia Curio, wins an election as a okay. tribune. So now he has some power. Um she probably made that happen, let's sure. be honest. Um, she's the going to be the one whipping votes. That's all I'm saying, right? But then in 49 BC, Curio dies. He oh, is in a battle in North Africa and he passes away. Dang, they weren't even married that long. No, they sure weren't. But she um, did have a son with him. So Uh at the time of his death, she was either pregnant with their son or she had like just given birth. Oh, okay. Um, around that time. So Mm -hmm. she did have a son with him. Um so, okay, so now she's twice widowed. Um, but she's pretty important to the community and in elite circles. Um, and everybody knows her deal now. Right. She's not really behind the scenes anymore at this point. They know her policies (laughs)
1: and her work.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And they know that she's pulling the strings behind her husband's at this point. Right. So, in 47 or possibly 46 BC... Who's to say... Fulvia marries Mark Antony. Now, okay. folks, if you will recall our Cleopatra episode, you know who Mark Antony is. I mean, you should know anyway. But he is essentially Caesar's right-hand man, right? right? Um, He's super tight with, with Julius Caesar. Um, So, okay. So they get married, and guess who has something to say about it? That's right. Your boy, Cicero. He... Basically, starts saying like, mm, pretty sure they've been having an affair this whole time, like since her first husband. Um, Hello? He writes about it because he also is uh, not aligned with Mark Antony, so he right. uh, he doesn't like him either. He's trying to bring them both down. At okay, this point. cool, great. So you know, it's not clear, right? He. As a as a historical source says that they were, were having an affair long before their marriage, um, they of course denied that. Um, you know, who's to say? Really. Who's to say? So by the time they get married, Antony is already a very powerful politician. Obviously, right. like I said, he's close to Caesar. Um he was tribune in 49 bc and he also commanded armies under caesar and was master of the horse in 47 bc which is basically just the, the head of the cavalry right that's which way
1: more I fun just, than saying head of the cavalry i know that's why it's i put it f- in here. you are the master <laughs> of a single horse i am master of that horse there capital
0: h horse horse master of the horse TM. Now I'm going to have Master of the House from Les Mis stuck in my head. Sure. I'm going
1: like to um, Ghost Horse. <laughs> Again, another Mbimbam bit. What's happening to my brain today? Who's to say? Yeah.
0: Okay, so, like I said, he's already pretty well established politically. Um, but, you know, his... his- flaw is that he doesn't have a lot of self-control and he's not very decisive but guess who is his new wife fulvia very decisive yeah (laughs) very in control so again her effect on mark antony's career is clear right um they do older than him i'd have to imagine Uh, that
1: she was at this point probably
0: i don't know i don't know what year she i don't know when she was born Uh oh That's fair. So, (laughs) I couldn't tell you. I would have to imagine she is. Probably. I mean, she's already been married twice. Although, I mean, she probably got married young, but still, I don't know. Her her first husband she was married to for a while, so. Yeah, well, a while. Not terribly long, but, Mm -hmm. you know. Anyway. Anywho. Um, So, they do have two sons together. Marcus Antonius Antillus and Ilias Antonius um okay again just a little bit of historical context here so at the time that mark antony and fulvia get married um the roman state has passed into the hands of the first triumvirate which is like you'll read about a lot if you're reading about ancient greece which is a three-man rule so it's under julius caesar pompey and crassus right um
1: Okay, which so they is think the cause that of this a lot is, of tension, except Yeah,
0: exactly. Yeah. They think it's going to result in a stronger government, but it does the exact it opposite. It certainly does not. Just a lot of infighting, political factions for, you know, whomever is loyal to which yeah. leader. But
1: um, you know
0: what will make it better? Dividing us more. <laughs> right. Ugh. Right. Um, and of course, Caesar and Pompey become massive rivals, as we yeah. know. Um. So that's where we are at this point when they get married. Um, I just wanted to read a little bit about, like, what she influenced here. Okay. Um, okay, so she, this quote, which I think was from, maybe from history today, I forgot to put it here, um, says, She was the brains behind many of his policies, such as the decision to give Sicilians Roman citizenship, um, and I thought that was really interesting yeah. she is a really persuasive campaigner for her husband she you know she again she's the one out there getting support for him so she's also the one fending off all of these attacks from Cicero because he's still out here trying to put out all this propaganda against the mm-hmm. two of them um mm-hmm. She is also very popular amongst Mark Antony's own soldiers and, you know, keeps Octavian at bay because at this point Octavian is trying to rise up politically, which is obviously a threat to Mark Antony and his power. Um, And she still has a lot of the support from her first husband's, followers and the sure you know, gangs that gangs was out the word they used all the time um, that he had gotten loyalty from uh, and she kind of just continues to say oh but I'm over here now different husbands still me come come over here now <laughs> and they do <laughs> um Anthony gets a lot of public support by um, associating with her kids. From her previous marriages. Huh. Uh, Again. People are still really loyal. To her first husband. So. Her kids. Now have a lot of clout. Right. Um, And he kind of. Is like. Yeah. I'm on their good side. So. We're good to go. So. Fulvia and Anthony. Are obviously. Supporters of Caesar. When he. Starts. uh, Starts some stuff. With Pompey. Um. And Mark Antony at one point even tries to get Caesar declared as king of Rome. It's like a whole thing. Mm. Um, but then, of course, we're not talking too much about Caesar here. I'm not going to go into a lot of that because it's not really relevant to Fulvia. So, I'm, right. you know, we're going to skip ahead to March 15th, 44 BC, which is, of course, when Julius Caesar is assassinated.
1: The Ides of March. <laughs>
0: Why did you I'm say so it like sleepy, that?
1: <laughs> and that felt like the only thing that I could get out. Also, I want to mention a bad T-shirt that I saw. I Great. was doing a thing where I was looking at oddly specific T-shirts, and I saw one, and the front of it said "Raise your hand if you have been personally victimized by Caesar," and then the back of it was a bunch of people with their hands up with knives.
0: Yep, that was pretty good. It's a good.
1: It's a good T-shirt. <laughs>
0: Um, so, Caesar's assassination obviously sets off a new battle for power, right? Show sure enough. <laughs> um, so, the contenders are Mark Antony, of course, Octavian, who, like we discussed we earlier, before. will become the future Caesar Augustus, uh-huh. um, and Lepidus. Lepidus? I think that's how you pronounce it. No. Okay. Um, he poor guy. Wow, poor Lepidus. <laughs> yeah. Just uh, didn't get much leverage. No, no, no. The other two I'm like, yeah, I know who that is. I don't know who that fool is. <laughs> yeah, he doesn't get much leverage um in the grand scheme of things. Sure, sure. Um Okay, so after Caesar's death, um the Senate actually decides that he was super popular. And we can't go back on what he wanted at this point because the people uh-huh. want it. So they decide they're going to pass all of Caesar's planned laws. And this is important because Antony, being Caesar's BFF, had possession of all of Caesar's papers. So he can say, look, here was were his intentions. So now... He and Fulvia have this immense power and they make a lot of money and gain a lot of power throughout this time period because Wild. people are trying to get them on their side, right? They just have Caesar's
1: letterhead and they start writing whatever they want on it. <laughs> I it's like that think episode, they had his
0: letterhead. It's <laughs> like that
1: episode of Bob's Burgers where the kids decide they want to send... Um, Letters like from a lawyer oh, to yeah. people, like it's that energy. <laughs> That's what I'm hearing here. They think they can do whatever they want because they have his letterhead.
0: Well, not his letterhead, but his real letters that he signed, which means right. they got the, they got the inside info. Mm-hmm. Um, just if you're wondering, like what she was like as a person, um, she was pretty. Fulvia's pretty ruthless.
1: Sure. Um, I mean, you have to be to get to this point, right? Yeah. So I That's found like a real this, Lady Macbeth
0: kind of energy, you know, oh, <sighs> big time. So I found this kind of interesting. So in 44 BC, she likely accompanied Antony to his military camp, um, at Brundisium. Sure. Um, and a mutiny of soldiers had occurred there. So. They're there trying to squash this mutiny, and according to your man Cicero, quote, Fulvia watched as the mutinous soldiers were executed. Cicero's narrative went one step further, describing Fulvia as, again, quote, that most avariceous, wow, wow, that word just went right out of my brain. The most (laughs) avaricious, cruel woman who looked on while the blood of the men's lopped off heads was spattering over her face. Now, that's a little dramatic, but (laughs) it's safe to say she did not oppose the violent squashing of this mutiny is what that really lands on. Right. Okay, so throughout 44 and 43 BC, Antony is gone. He's not in Rome. Um, And... Cicero surely is. Um, and Cicero is a supporter of Octavian. So he spends this time that Mark Antony is away, trying to get him declared as an enemy of the state. Okay. Fulvia's like, Mm-mm, I have something to say about that. So she uses a constitutional question. Um, she she turns to the Constitution and... Um, that has a question in it written by her own great grandfather.
1: Oh my gosh! He wrote that's this all, into that's law. That's why she
0: knew. <laughs> yep. Um, the issue is whether a person could be declared a public enemy without having an opportunity to present a defense. Yeah. So she brings this about as like, sorry, you can't do it. Um. Okay, another quote from Encyclopedia. Because I just have to, I just have to read it. It's too specific so quote the night before the senate was to decide the issue fulvia together with her son and antony's mother julia visited the house of every senator in rome the next morning fulvia and her mother sempronia stood in the road on the way to the senate wearing mourning clothes and wailing lamentations following the practice used by relatives to arouse sympathy for persons accused of criminal charges The Senate decided against Antony, however, and exiled him from Italy, while his enemies tried to rob Fulvia of her possessions and plotted to kill her children. Good Lord. That's a lot. It is a lot. But this is what I'm talking about. It's the dramatic displays. Yeah. And she knows how to work the public, right? Yeah. Now, the exile doesn't last very long, Um, and... later in 43 BC so same year Octavian, Mark Antony and Lepidus um decide they're going to basically put all that past stuff aside cuz they really need to like make a government now <laughs> right like it's not going great sure um and they decide they're going to you know come back together and they form the second triumvirate
1: no. Because it worked so well the first time. <laughs>
0: exactly. I don't know what do. What do we think thought... <laughs> we're doing
1: here, guys? Hey y'all. Yeah. It yeah. was it went not only did it not work the first time, it went it went really bad. So badly. Like it so ended bad. in one of the maybe worst ways I could imagine for it to yeah, end.
0: It broke real bad.
1: It broke really bad. You guys think that you're different? You're not special. Well,
0: they do think they're very special. So They basically divide the rule of the Roman provinces into three parts. Um, But they share equal control in Rome. So, really great strategy, guys. It's a bold strategy, Cotton. Let's see how it works out for them. Bad. That's how it works out. But this is is when they decide that Claudia, Fulvia's daughter from her first marriage, should marry Octavian to Ah. solidify this political... Um, alliance basically. Okay. So the second triumvirate starts <laughs> conducting proscriptions, which is essentially just state sponsored murder and banishment for their enemies. It's state sponsored hit lists for the triumvirate. Okay. So the way that this works is that. A member of the triumvirate will say, this person's on my list. Go get them. They will set... They'll put out a contract. I'm going to put and then, their name in the burn book. <laughs> yeah. They'll put out a contract to kill them, basically. And then that... Hmm, it's going to get a little bit gross. Sorry. That person's head is then brought to the member who ordered mm-hmm. their death. Um, Fun and funky fresh. Fulvia is said to definitely have been involved in this, um, both in terms of names and in terms of, like, bring me their head, which she, you know, none of the other wives of these people would ever be, like, sitting in the room. Right. When... Do you... You know what I'm saying? Yes. Uh, Again, she, real Lady she Macbeth She certainly vibes. was. Yeah. Um. So guess my friend can you guess without cheating in the notes who might be on anthony and fulvia's list can you would guess?
1: it be the gentleman who has been trying to ruin their
0: lives for the last several years your man cicero of course he's on the list <laughs> he so had um, it
1: coming oh yeah i was waiting the whole time for a good time to reference that and that was perfect I had been waiting to find a way to make that reference without it being out of nowhere. You really nailed it. Uh, That was so good. It was so good I couldn't even let it land (laughs) before I got hype about it.
0: So, on December 7th in 43 BC, Mark Antony's agents bring him the head of Cicero. Great. Fulvia is present. Of course. And, okay... (laughs) Dio Cassius, who's another guy who writes a lot about Fulvio, um, says, writes, that she spat on Cicero's head, pulled out his tongue, and thrust a hairpin into it, and made cruel jokes against her longtime adversary. Good lord. Now again, this is just speculation written by someone who doesn't have the highest opinion of her, so Uh who knows if that really happened. But her enemies certainly wanted to paint that picture. And sure. But she was there; she was yeah. definitely there. It's a bit much. It's like, relax. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, 42 BC, Antony and Octavian leave Rome because they're out trying to find Julius Caesar's assassins. Um. Yeah. This is when Antony, um, they they're not okay. They're not really, like, to aligned anymore. Antony, because and Antony No, no, no. Antony and Fulvia. Because okay. Antony is bye-bye. So now he doesn't know what the heck Fulvia's doing. Right? Okay. Because she stays. Right. And she decides, this is a good time to get myself some more power. And boy, yeah. is she right. Huh. <gasps> Now, you might have noted that two of the members of the Triumvirate have gone. Yeah. Yep, the third one's still there. Um, too bad for him. He accomplishes absolutely nothing. <laughs> he might as well not be. <laughs> she just steamrolls right over him. What is the point of him? It's like he's not even there. Good for her. Uh, The people of Rome and members of the Senate start consulting with Fulvia before acting on anything.
1: Oh, my God. One of your three leaders is still there, and they all go, no, 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 I don't don't need permission from that guy. Now, Mark Anthony's wife, though, she will tell me
0: exactly (laughs) what I can and cannot do. And they were right. (laughs) Okay, I got another quote here just to really punch home the amount of power that she had. When Lucius Antonius, who, by the way, is her brother-in-law, Um, requested a triumphal entrance into Rome to celebrate a military victory. Fulvia opposed the ceremonial event on the grounds that he had not killed the required 5,000 members of the enemy forces and convinced the Senate to deny his request. Oh my gosh. Now, eventually, he does go and talk to her and convince her, like, hey, I I do think I kind of deserve this. And once he convinces her... The rest of the Senate is convinced and they vote unanimously to let him have it. Oh, my gosh. So she's, um, she's really. Ultimate power. Yeah, 100%. Um, so, okay, this is also around the time that Antony goes to Egypt. Right. So they've distributed the provinces among them. Um, the three and, leaders. Yeah. And that's, and then he goes to Egypt where he, of course, meets Cleopatra. Yes. Um, again, not going to talk too much about their relationship here because we did an episode on Cleopatra. Um, so you can hear more about it there. Um. But this is interesting because they're in the process of kind of dividing up the land. And... Okay, things are going to get a little complicated again. So Octavian wants to distribute a bunch of lands to veterans of Caesar's army to thank them for their service. Okay, Fulvia does not agree. And she is of the belief that she and Antony should have the authority to distribute lands. Okay. um, This obviously creates a pretty big conflict between the two. And guess what? They gonna be rivals for the rest of their lives now, sure. <laughs> well, for yeah, for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, because of this, Octavian divorces Fulvia's daughter, Claudia. dang um so that's a pretty big shot to fire if you know yes it is
1: but also i love that he was like i am gonna be this woman's enemy for a long time i gotta get out of this relationship right now oh i guess yeah no i don't
0: think it it was more like
1: okay you're gonna aligned anymore you're
0: gonna oppose me i'm not gonna provide for your daughter anymore bye kick her out um Fulvia is very fearful that Octavian is getting a lot of the veteran's support and loyalty, as you might expect. Uh Uh-huh. So she starts traveling with her children to all the new settlements to remind them, look look whose side you should be on. This family Mm -hmm. who provided so much to you. But of course. Again, she's really good with the public. Yeah. Antony, by the way, still in Egypt. He's not part of any of this. She is in here putting in the work and he's doing. And she's about to put in more. Whatever in Egypt. Yeah. (laughs) We know what he's doing. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Um, So Fulvia decides to ally with her brother-in-law, the previously mentioned Lucius Antonius. He's pretty, you know, pretty popular politician and um, of the time. So, in 41 BC, Fulvia basically declares war on Octavian. Oh, my gosh. She starts bribing his soldiers against him. And then, together with her brother-in-law, they lead an attack on his army. And she commands her husband's troops while he's in Egypt. (laughs) Again,
1: he's in Egypt, just...
0: Having a little vacay. Yeah. And, you know. And she's actively he, waging a war. When he eventually comes back, he insists he had no idea any of this was going on. Uh, you know, hard to say, really, but it kind of seems like he didn't know oh, yeah. what was happening until much later.
1: Or or at the very least didn't care.
0: <laughs> right. Enough a to lot of, come
1: back and do something about it.
0: Right. A lot of people thought that part of her motivation for starting this conflict was her jealousy over the very obvious affair that Certainly. Antony was having with Cleopatra. Sure, yeah. Um, But honestly, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like... It might I not disagree. The
1: only thing, but she was certainly angry about that happening.
0: Yeah, probably. But people were saying, like, oh, this is a way for him for her to bring his attention back here and sure. make him return. Okay. But I don't know. I think she would have done it anyway. She would have done it anyway, even yeah. if that weren't a factor. Because He's not there. She's the one who's going to be making all the moves. And she knows that. And she's not going to let somebody just walk over the power she has gained. So I think she would have done it anyway. Mm-hmm. Um. So along with her brother-in-law, they eventually raise eight legions in Italy to fight for Antony's rights against Octavian. And this event is known as the Perusine War. Um, and... I found this real interesting. So during the war, Octavian's soldiers used sling bullets that were inscribed with insults directed at Fulvia.
1: Oh my gosh. They were literally flinging insults. <laughs> that's incredible.
0: Imagine
1: yeah. that's so petty. Imagine I was just the time say, it took petty. to make that for what? Dead people to read them. What are you talking about? <laughs> that is so petty and useless. That's hilarious. It's great. Wow.
0: So the siege at Perugia lasts about two months um before Octavian basically starves Lucius into surrender um mm. in forty BC. Um, Lucius is spared. Um, And he's given a command in Spain, basically, to, like, keep him away, and he eventually dies there. Um, And Fulvia is able to escape, um, and she flees to Greece, uh, which is where she meets up with Antony, because he's returning, so they meet up in Athens. Right. Um, Antony is apparently very furious with her, which really upset her, because she did love him, and she Uh was working hard for their power.
1: Mm
0: Hmm. Um. So Antony sails back to Rome to deal with Octavian, and that's a whole other story. Yeah. But Fulvia remains in exile, and in 40 BC she dies of an unknown illness. Um. In Corinth. Um, Okay. So. Yeah, I mean, it just ended really quickly for her, and he, uh, Antony, apparently would not go and visit her on her deathbed because he was well. He was already. He had been having an
1: affair with someone else. Yeah,
0: pretty intense and, one too. Um, yeah.
1: And clearly had stopped caring about her even though she's back here putting in all this work which is, for their power. Yeah,
0: exactly, which and is why he wouldn't have his power without her. Exactly. He, his his career would have been over without yeah. her. In so quickly. Yeah. Um So after she dies, Antony and Octavian basically use this as an opportunity to blame her for their split. Hey, guys,
1: if it was really that easy to make up, could you have done it before she died? Probably. You probably could
0: have. If it was really that bad. Yeah. Guess what Antony does then? He marries Octavian's (gasps) sister. To basically publicly say, "Look, the alliance is back on." So, his, but but he never really regains his influence in Italy, right? Uh, never. So his
1: daughter-in-law was married to Octavian, correct? And then he, no, 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 his stepdaughter. His yeah, not daughter-in-law, his stepdaughter. And then he remarried Octavian's sister.
0: Yeah, that's a lot. Well, you know, it's you know, that's a lot. But, yeah. yeah. Um, I want to leave us on this uh, interesting note because okay. I just found it really interesting. So, information was in two different places. It was on Encyclopedia, and then also on, uh, I think it was History Today, is where I found this other article, which was really interesting. Um, so. Okay, archaeological evidence supports the extent of her influence in the military, social, and political arenas of the late Roman Republic. Some coins minted in Rome during the triumviral period bore a likeness of Fulvia, appearing as the goddess Victory. The same face matching Fulvia with Victory has been found on coins minted um, in eumenia which was later named fulvia a city of ancient uh i can never say this word phrygia, phrygia? Huh. um it had been maintained that these coins were minted earlier than those bearing the likenesses of the of the triumvirate members oh my gosh that's really and this interesting other, this other quote asserts that this means that fulvia was the first living woman ever to have her face on roman coinage wow that's fascinating so i just found that last little tidbit interesting yeah it's very Um, interesting she's an interesting woman i mean you know it's hard to get uh detailed information on like her as a person and Uh her life experiences before her marriages because there's just not really a record of of a lot of that stuff right um but i just i think it's so interesting that Caesar's right-hand man would not have had a political career, basically, if he hadn't married this woman. Yeah. She really steered the ship. And did she take some missteps? I mean, probably. But honestly, even the war that she declared, I don't know. I mean, it was probably a little bit necessary to curb Octavian a little bit. Yeah. Not that war is ever necessary, but you know what I mean. like Yeah. Politically um, where she was staying. He would have really yeah. run away with it in mm-hmm. a big way.
1: I don't especially think especially that- with Anthony not being in
0: Italy, like just not being there. If that had not happened, my thought is that Antony basically never returns. Yeah. <laughs> or if he does, there's no hope. There is no hope that he will ever reconcile with Octavian. Uh-huh. And then a lot more hell breaks loose. Yeah. You know? So big time. She she was really a powerhouse. Yeah, that was fascinating. And she had her own money, and you know, Mm-hmm. yeah, she was already rich and famous before him. Yeah, she she had a lot of support before him, and uh, you know, we always we just always talk about Mark Antony in the context of Cleopatra. We talk about their relationship, but I think people forget that like his wife was really running the show back in mm-hmm. Rome. So. I'm
1: obsessed with the fact that we the only way we have discussed Mark da- Mark Antony on this podcast is through the two women in his life.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, he's not that interesting on his own. Uh-huh, I agree. <laughs> I mean, he's interesting in that he was an important historical figure, but... Right. I don't know. What did he do? Nothing. He latched on He latched onto Julius Caesar and what?
1: And then latched on
0: <laughs> to power, two other powerful women. That's Even it. Even after Caesar's death, the, the laws that were passing... Were Caesar's laws, which yeah. he just happened to be the, you know, purveyor vocal of. Yeah. yeah, like, i it's wild. Yeah. Huh. So that's Fulvia. She's an interesting uh, character. Nice. I enjoyed it. Good. I'm glad. I hope everybody else enjoyed it. Uh, it was fun for me to research, um, mm-hmm. even though there wasn't, you know, a ton out there, but still interesting. So that's all for today, I think. Mm -hmm. That one went pretty quickly, I think. We just moved right along. Um, So let's wrap it up, folks. If you guys have anything you'd like us to talk about on future episodes or if you have questions, comments, et cetera, et cetera, you can email us at rememberthatpod at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at RTTPod. Um, and we would really love it if you would leave us a rating and review wherever you listen to this podcast. Um, and if you want to find me on the internet, I am at the Real Anna Webb, And I'm at ACWNerdFighter. And I will Ooh. add to the note about
1: um, pod uh, topic suggestions – Uh, it is approaching Pride Month. We're not there yet. Oh, yes. But if you have anything that you would like to hear us talk about, um, I would love suggestions for that. We, we, that's one that I don't find a terribly difficult
0: time finding topics for, but I would love suggestions for it.
1: Uh, yeah, I I would like to to
0: hear what, you know, our listeners might want, might want to hear about. Mm -hmm. Um, but we can always find topics for sure. But yeah, that's a good point. Um, wow. Pride Month. Which means it's almost my birthday. hmm You guys, I'm turning 30. Turning 30. I'm turning, turning 30. Yep, it's happening. Yep. I just ordered some things for my little party that I'm going to have. Got it here in nice. the Nice. Nice. All right, well, we did it. Mm-hmm. Another one in the books. So we're really tired. I'm so sorry. Okay. Yep. <sighs> Until next time. Remember that time.